Let's ride. careful when you guys are on um on the app store and iTunes looking for apps. I went to look for a Macho Man, Randy Savage soundboard, and um all types of shit popped up. There's something about bromance. There's a bro photo editor where you can put abs on yourself, man. Be careful, man. Just don't don't go <laughs> don't go clicking on anything on the internet, even if it's on your phone. You never know what you're gonna find. But this is episode 49, one time for your punk ass mind no playing this ride you should be getting this on monday morning or late sunday afternoon or sunday evening or whenever you decide to look for this podcast i got a couple things i want to hit you guys with this week by the way i am blackout it's still me i have not changed but brett kavanaugh i'm gonna give you a little bit about that akon dropped a jewel a couple albums came out lupe fiasco and um kevin gates albums came out as well as Lil wayne's and there's a couple of things I want to talk to you guys about real quick, but I just I just had to let you guys know what I encountered on my um on my accidental button pressing adventures. I figured I'd give you guys some free game, man. If that if that makes any sense, because that um that shocked me. I didn't expect that. I expected to get a bunch of you know Macho Man Randy Savage stuff on there. I did not expect the bromance, whatever that shit was I saw in there, man. Um, it was crazy. And also, I wanted to say shout out to people who are listening because I was looking at the numbers and boy, are they terrible. And boys, the numbers is in the trash. But it's all good. I'm going to still keep doing my thing, keep persevering. Because one thing I noticed is when I looked back on Lipson, that's the uh, hosting platform for this podcast stuff I do. When I looked back at it, as I went back through the pre- to look at the previous episodes, I noticed that there were people listening to episodes I did last year, like last month. So that tells me that people are finding it and then they're going back and they're listening to the episodes um, that I did a while ago. And I guess they're working their way through. I'm not sure if that's because I, I did the sequencing thing before when I had the number by trips. My bad, I just I kind of stopped doing that. I just didn't think it was really working out. So shout out to everybody who's doing that. I wish I could tell you, you know, hey, um... It's not episodic like that. It's just numbers and everything. It doesn't really mean much. But hey, uh, thank you for when you get here. When you when you finally make it to episode 49, you got a big thank you waiting on you. I don't know if that's gonna help you out at all, but that's just the way I feel about uh about that. I appreciate you guys listening. I, it was encouraging for me to see that. I got to go back and look. I'm like, damn, it's not jumping off like I wanted to. I'm promoting it the best way I can afford. Not necessarily the best way I know how, but the best way I can afford is free via the use of Buffer apps. So shout out to Buffer. But I was getting discouraged thinking about, man, when I hit, sort of, when I hit a certain landmark as episodes, I might want to shut it down and maybe shift to something else. But I really like my logo. I really like the name and all that shit and what I've built so far doing this. So I, I really wanted to keep it going. And I just had to, had to sit there thinking, like, man... You know what, I'm going to persevere. But going back and seeing that people were listening to the old episodes, 
kind of gave me a little bit more motivation to keep this thing going. So that's exactly what I'm going to do. That's exactly what I'm going to do. So starting it off with, um, I'm going to start off with the international news first, man. It's sad. I hate to start sad, but I just figured, you know, for added awareness to what's going on in the world, us in the West, in the U.S. specifically, we, um, we really don't tend to think about things going on outside of us because that's just the bubble we kind of grow up in. We're the greatest country, so everything comes to us. So, and it shapes our, um, our perception of everything outside of us. But I just wanted to, to start putting this little international segment in just for people who aren't aware or not paying attention to it, just to give you a little bit of information on what's going on in the world. So there's a big-ass tsunami that hit Indonesia, and there's like over 800 people dead right now. It's just, uh, it's, it's not looking good. I don't know how many people exactly. I believe it's over 820, but it's a damn shame that in this world we live in right now, things like that still happen, but a part of it is because of location. So for those of you who are or who are not familiar with geography, Indonesia is located in the Ring of Fire. And I think that spreads from fucking, I want to say, we'll just say east to west, west to east, however you want to look at it, from Japan, basically all the way to California. And what the Ring of Fire is, is a bunch of uh, tectonic plates underground. I don't want to get too scientific with it because that is not my field, but it's, a, it's basically a gigantic aerial region in the Pacific Ocean where the tectonic plates are, are very active and there's lots of volcanoes and earthquakes, which lead to tsunamis and floods and all types of shit. So that's where they are situated. And then you got to think they're island nations surrounded by water. In the island or is it a peninsula? I think it's, it may be just an island. I think it's just an island with a bunch of small islands. I don't want to, I don't think it's a peninsula, but it's a, it's out there in the, <laughs> It's out there in um, South Pacific, basically, if you don't know where it's at. And, you know, it, everything is surrounded by water. So anytime the water level raises and there's big storms, there's going to be floods. It's, it's happened there numerous times before. I, I just don't think they can really do anything about it. I know the infrastructure ain't the best. If you wanted to compare it to, like, a, a country like, you know, the U.S., the infrastructure ain't quite there. I would, you know, hope that it would improve over time, but, you know, politics as usual. Shit doesn't always happen like that. Funds are, the funds are what the funds are, and they can only do with what they got. So I guess they're going to be prone to getting hit by these storms and losing vast amounts of business and people whenever it happens. And it's unfortunate, but that, unfortunately, is the way it is for people who live in that region. Like, wherever you live, there's some type of threat there. Like, I live in California right now. Southern California, close to Mexico, on the coast. So what's the big thing I hear for us is earthquakes as well, earthquakes and wildfires. And then when I'm I'm living in Florida, I'm from Florida, so what's big out there? Tropical storms, hurricanes, and shit like that. And if you live in the middle, you get tornadoes. So it's just all about where you live. It's, you got to kind of pick and choose the hazard that you're going to have to deal with. And it's unfortunate that they're in that situation because financially. A lot of those people probably can't leave or people just don't want to leave because when that's not what's going on, it's home. And why would you want to leave home? That's that's what you know. It's what you like. It's what you love. Why would you leave it? You just tend to deal with um, the bullshit that happens when you're there. And hopefully those that made it out stay alive and hopefully uh, they save more people than they lose because it's, it's a really big tragedy that's going on over there. 
sad. Now, to get to the business. To get to the business. I looked at this uh, Brett Kavanaugh thing, the testimony, and I saw some of um, I can't believe I forgot her name, but the his alleged victim. I saw her um her testimony, and she seemed um controlled, very quiet, and her lawyer was sitting next to her, and it it just looked it came off weird to me because I don't know much about her. I've been hearing so much about him. I don't know much about her or what she has going on. So the interview came off, not interview, but the testimony came off kind of weird. And I saw the point where they asked her a question and she basically, her lawyer basically leaned over to her and said, no, don't say whatever. And then there was a statement made. And it, it just it kind of threw me off. And this is not to discredit her or anything. I just don't know much about her. And I just, I thought it was kind of awkward. But then enter Brett Kavanaugh. So I'm watching his testimony, and boy, to somebody who's trying to who's trying to be objective about it, and I don't want to pay too much attention to it, I'm looking at it, and as a guy, I'm looking at it, if I'm innocent, how am I going to react? I can be an emotional person. So if I'm in it, if I'm innocent, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be very, I'm gonna be very upset. And that's how he appeared to be. He appeared to be very, very angry about having his name drugged through the mud and put all over social media and, and the regular media. It's like global, it's worldwide. Everybody's talking about him being a creep. I'm not saying he's innocent. I'm just saying he looked innocent to me, if that makes sense to anybody. Me looking at that, he looked like a man who was pissed off because he was up there having to explain his actions from 30-something years ago. Now, I will say this. Things that happened back then, how they were perceived back then, I'm going to say they may not have been looked at as sexual assault. I was not alive at the time. Well, I might have been a year old at the time this thing happened. But I wasn't there. And I just know how with times, even when it when it's dealing with... um relation to like the homosexuals or how it is how it is when you talk about minorities like certain things were on it were acceptable certain TV shows certain words phrases whatever were acceptable to say about black people and minorities like calling us colored and shit like that or homosexuals like calling them like I don't even like to say the word because I've known gay people and I'm cool with them but just calling them that F word name and calling us N word and shit all of that was just it was cool at some point because, you know, we didn't have the platform. We didn't have the, the 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 places to speak out and say that, hey, this shit ain't right. We're not taking this shit no more. It ain't going to go like that. And the same issues with women. They've been treated a certain type of way. And I didn't really realize until I started asking women questions, especially my wife. I asked, like, hey, how do you feel about this females at work? Like, I never knew that you guys felt this way. And then once I asked the question, I learned. But back to what I was talking about. He seemed like a person who may have been wrongly accused. And maybe he has no recollection of it. And memory, maybe his memory is trash because he was drunk. But he, he appeared to me as a person who believed he was innocent. Now, the victim was Christine Ford. She seemed damaged. 
if I'm looking at her testimony, she seemed reserved, and she may just be a soft-spoken woman. That may be her nature, but she seemed like she was reserved and slightly overwhelmed by the amount of uh, attention that was being put on her and that she was uncomfortable. That's what it looked like. She looked like she was in an uncomfortable position talking about something that she really didn't want to talk about, and she was just kind of doing it to get through it, but reluctantly. That's that's really all I, I got from her. And then I'm looking at him. He's going the fuck off. Like, hey, I drank beer. I still like beer. I drank beer from time to time. Whatever he said. But then he was like, I've never drank beer to the point where I was blackout drunk. And I've never committed sexual assault. Now, I'm the type of person, I got to take a man at his word. So if you get up there and tell me you didn't do it, I got to say, okay, this man didn't do it unless there's evidence that proves you did it. I'm not 100% on what they got on this guy other than witness testimony. And this something happened 30-something years ago, so I'm expecting memories to be shaky. Now, both sides have victims saying like, hey, yeah, this guy's a good dude, or no, this guy's a piece of trash, or she's a stand-up person, he's a piece of garbage, or he's great. It's a bunch of he say, she say, she say, he say stuff going on. So you really don't know. My fix all for this is, um, hey, this is what we're going to do. Split screen, two separate rooms, put you on a polygraph, put you on a polygraph, live TV, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter. That's how we're going to do it. Now you can't lie. So then you take the lie detector test on national TV in front of everybody in different rooms, and boom, there you go. Who did what? I don't know why this is taking so fucking long. That's exactly what I would have done. Well, I know ratings are tied and everything. But still, that's that's my perception of it. Like, if it's that serious and you really want to get to a pot, to the bottom of it, put the motherfuckers on a lie detector test, cut the cameras on, cut the recording equipment on, whatever you got, let that shit rock, and then let it go like that. And that should clear everything up. Since that's how we've been locking people up for a while. And this isn't even a trial. This is just, you know, looking at his credibility to see if he's fit to uh to be a supreme court justice which i think is, is justified if you're going to be judging people, other people's cases we want to make sure that you're that you're up to par and that you might not see a case like this come through and you'd be like oh it was 30 years ago nah nah champ we want to know that you're good to go and if you're good to go hey man congratulations they should lock our ass up or whoever put this information out there because now you didn't drug this man's name through the mud and that's if she's lying but if you did it, well, guess what? You're done. On the surface, though, he convinced me. People are talking about, oh, he was so angry. He was un he was uncontrollable. I'm going to tell you like this. If you said I did some shit to you back in the day, and I don't believe I did it, you goddamn right I'm going to act like I'm angry. I'm going to act like a full-blown animal. You damn right. And it goes beyond me wanting to, wanting to have some fucking job and whatever the fuck. And people are like, oh, that, that argument's blown because... If he acts like that, then he's not fit. Fuck that. This is me as a man. This is my family name on the line that you put out there and that my parents, grandparents, uncles, aunts, sisters, wife, children, all these people got to deal with something that you're accusing me of that you have no real evidence of other than your 30-year-old memory. So while I think she should be heard, I feel like it's fucked up if it's not true. If you can't make it, be like, hey, this is 100% true. 
boom, this guy did this to me, and these guys, and these 10, 15 people are going to say, yeah, he did this. That's how I feel. That's how I felt. And then I heard something else. Uh, Chris Como would talk to another one of uh, the people who was around that time frame. Is she was like, no, that's not the case. He wasn't like this, this um, you know, this great guy making this sound like he. She, she said that she saw him drunk a few times, and it's something they did as an athlete to Yale. Like a lot of people from Yale were hitting her via text, and email, saying like, this is just blatant, this blatant bullshit. Basically, is what they were saying. But like, who's to know? It was so long ago, and this is why I'm so, I'm such a proponent of, hey, I'm bl I'm putting blame on the victim, and it's fucked up, but that's just the way I feel, like, hey, if this is, if this is so traumatic, if this is so traumatic, tell somebody, tell somebody, please tell somebody, and I don't give a damn if somebody looks at you crazy, whatever, this and the third, you have rights, you deserve to be heard. You are in a spot where you can protect a potential next victim because for me, the way I'm looking at it, because I don't want men like that to be around. I have two young girls, and if I find out somebody touched your daughter and you didn't say nothing, and that person touches my daughter, I'm be mad at the motherfucker who touched my kid and the and the person who knew and didn't say nothing. I'll be mad at both of y'all. So I always say I'm giving fifty percent of the blame to the person that knew and didn't say and didn't say any damn thing, and fifty percent of the blame to the person that actually committed the act. Because that's just how I roll. Now, I may not be right, but that's how I feel, goddammit. It's just, I've said it a thousand times, like, you don't make things better by not saying anything. I understand from what I'm being told, I've not experienced, I understand that women go through things, and the victim's period go through things when they've been treated like that, like something sexually aggressive happened to them. They can be traumatized by it. They don't feel like people are going to believe you, but... Unfortunately for you, in my opinion, that's something you got to push through to help protect somebody else. I'm not blaming you for nothing that happened to you. I don't give a fuck where you were wearing, what you were wearing, excuse me, where you were, what you were doing. I never blame a victim for something that happened to them, but I will hold them accountable for not reporting it. Just how I feel. Moving on to the person that's um, backing this. Old 45. 045 was at the UN doing his thing as he does, getting up there and speaking in front of everybody and telling everybody about how much he's accomplished, about how much better he is than everybody else who's ever been there, who's ever been there in the two-year time frame. And everybody in there fucking laughed at him. And that's perfect. That's what you get when you go around being a pompous asshole, fucking up these deals, and doing things in a rash manner. That's how people are going to treat you. They're going to treat you the way you've treated other people, the way you buffoonishly bullied your way through your short political career and even your career as a uh, celebrity, television personality, whatever. They're going to treat you the same way. And this isn't Twitter where you can just hit send and it goes off and you can ignore it. If you get retweets or replies, you can ignore all that shit. This is live. People are laughing at you live <laughs> from some for some shit you said for these accomplishments that you that you claim to have achieved in this time frame. And you got a little reality check and I don't want to hear they're not laughing at me, they're laughing with me. No, they laughing at your ass. Cause you look like a goddamn fool up there talking about all you accomplished in your two year time frame. 
when that wall still ain't up that you was talking big shit about. All the trash you was popping and then nothing after that. But I'm going to go ahead and move on for that, man. Um, and more unfortunate news. Sorry, guys. I'm I'm a big uh, I'm big on the military. I have really 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 deep ties to the military. My father was a veteran in the Navy. I've known people who passed away due to their military service. I know people that are still in. I've got guys that retired that have gotten out, and guys that are reenlisting and staying in. I've lived in Jacksonville, Florida, Virginia, and San Diego. All three huge Navy hubs, right? So I'm real tied in and dug into this military lifestyle, this military um, culture. So my wife sent me an article about this VA situation that happened in Minnesota, and it really made me mad. There's, there's a guy who was who called. He called the VA like, "Hey, I'm going. I have access to weapons. I'm not. I'm not right." And um, he, they said, "Hey, come to the VA emergency room immediately." And the guy went down there. He shows up, he gets admitted for four days and gets whatever treatment that he receives there. He then gets discharged, but he never leaves the premises. Unfortunately, this man went to his car and took his own life via a gunshot. And it's just like, hey man, check on your people. If you know people who've served who've been through some things, check on them. Check on them. But my, my thing with this is, is that the VA is catching a lot of flack for this. And the VA is the easy target because there's a whole lot of, of uh, I guess, ammo for the VA about how their service is terrible, how they don't, how people feel like they don't do what they should be doing when it comes to the veterans and things like that. Me understanding that, I will say this is like, I don't know how much they're at fault for this. This man said he had access to guns. He was competent enough to do that. He then goes down there. They have him for four days. After those four days, I'm guessing they assumed he was no longer a threat to his life, to himself or anybody else. He then leaves and commits suicide after being discharged. Now, I don't know the nitty-gritty about this, if there was a, a struggle to get him off the premises, to get him out, or if he left willingly, like he was feeling better. There's all types of things that could have happened. He could have got in there and been like, man, this is too much for me. I can't take this when they let me go. I'm gone. Or he could have gotten there and told them that he felt like he was great. He felt better after the treatment. He obviously left. So there had to be some wicked, some wickets hit to where they felt like he could leave. So he leaves, and then he unfortunately ends his own life. I, and then everybody comes down, the VAs, this, the Democratic um, representative from up there in, uh, in uh, Minnesota. He starts shitting on the VA, but I'm just like, I don't understand how this is their fault. I understand my man had demons but and all that and I'm not I'm not saying that he was sane or he had all his faculties but this man had the gun in his car. He's not here to ask him like why did you go down there seeking treatment and bring what well, you I, I can understand now why you brought the gun with you. You probably felt paranoid or whatever. It's it's just a weird situation, it's touchy and so I don't wanna say the wrong thing because one time for the veterans, I love you guys, those who served, who were serving, and who did their time and have passed on. I just don't understand how you blame the VA for this. It doesn't make sense to me. Like, if they kicked him out after a few hours of being there, 
somehow refused him service or something like that. If they had it for maybe 24 hours, they're like, all right, man, get up out of here. If he put up a fight regarding his treatment, like, no, I don't think this is right. I want to leave or I don't want to leave. Let me stay. If that's the case, then that's a big fucking problem. But if it's not the case and he was there and got there, got there and got treated on good terms and left on good terms, I really don't know how much you can blame the VA. This man obviously has some issues going on and one time for his family, but I don't think it's fair to blame the VA for that one. Just my humble opinion. In other news, um, I won't say news, I'll say Facebook happenings. I was scrolling through when I saw Akon. He was talking to Noriega and somebody who I do not know as a radio host. And uh, the caption read, Akon basically says, you can leave the U.S., go to Africa, and you can build a, a Fortune 500 company within five years. And he said something similar to this a while ago about how if you feel like you're struggling and you feel like it's not, it's not working out for you, leave. Pick up and come back home. And him being a native African, like it, he makes it sound so simple. I mean, and it really is. It's not, I know there's paperwork and affairs you got to get in order, but if you want to, if you're not really tied down to anything like, anything like that where you can't leave the States for whatever reason, Akon makes a very valid point. He was saying that you don't even have to start it there. He said, you can start it here. But when you leave here, just take it over there with you. And he was like, imagine if all the ball players for these sports left the U.S. and started their own teams in Africa. All the musicians left the U.S., all the entertainers, whatever, start, left the U.S. and continue what they were doing, but in Africa how successful they will be because you have built-in infrastructure. You have a built-in audience. It is like America, how in the U.S. stuff could be marketed and you can see only white people in the ad and it's normal to us because that's what we've grown up with. Like they, like if you look back, what really used to piss me off was like the fucking, the old Mountain Dew commercials, the Dew to Dew shit, the Mountain Dew Extreme Sports shit when that drink was really popular. They always had this one random corny black dude in there. Um, you know, the, the token guy they had. Flip-flop that and put it in Africa. There's over a billion people in Africa. Imagine the revenue that black people could bring if we all picked up and moved back. And I think that's what Akon was saying. And he wasn't saying it has to be, a, you know, he wasn't suggesting like, Oh, mass migration back. He, but he said, if you have a company and you're trying to get it off the ground, move it over there. And it just makes perfect sense. It's like you can struggle to build a company and market here uh, to where you perceive a certain type of way, but the majority of people may not be your hook. Like if I'm doing like an all hip hop podcast, like strictly all hip hop, and that's what I want to focus on, I have to target urban audiences, certain age groups and all that. If I'm in Africa, that shit's built in because they're already watching in Africa. They're already watching what we're doing in the States. So you could basically just transfer and then take it over there where billions of people look like you. And I was like, damn. And he was talking to Noriega about it. And Noriega, like his mind was blown. Now, I don't think Noriega's a dummy. I think he's simple. 
if that makes sense. I don't think he's a stupid person. I think he's just simple in the way he perceives things. Like he, you can you can intelligently use simple words if that makes sense. I feel like you can use that. If that I hope I'm explaining that right. You can use simple words to get your point across and make an intelligent point. And Noriega's managed to maneuver and do things after rap that have been able to make him money in the media realm. So I don't think he's a dummy by any means. He knows he has personality. He knows people will pay attention to him. And he uses that to continue to, to, to push his brand out there. So to watch him sit there like his mind was blown, it was like, damn. I felt like me and Noriega were having that moment at the same time. And they were talking about the vaccinations you had to get there. And Akon was like, that's just not true. And Noriega was like, well, why is it that people do that? They spread these lies about Africa. He said, to discourage you from going there. And I didn't even think about that. But if you're the U.S. and you have this, this commodity, like the black dollar, right? Unfortunately, in the past and, you know, even currently right now, the mind state of a lot of black people has been to be consumers to buy this. I need to buy this. I need to buy the most expensive, the nicest, whatever, to compensate for not having shit. When you come from, you need to stand out amongst your peers. So you go buy the flash, flashiest shit you could buy to make you stand out, make you look good. So if you take that away from the U.S., how much will it hurt the economy? If we just say, fuck it, we don't have to be here. We getting shot in the street. We getting treated like shit. Let's take what I got and move it over there. If Africa looks good, it's going to happen more often. Now, people are doing it. I've seen YouTube videos of people like, hey, we black, we move back to fucking Africa. We said, fuck it, we out. And they roll. And they're over there having a good life or whatever. But if a large majority of successful black people did that, how much would it hurt the U.S.? Not, not, even, not even successful, just a large group a large chunk of the black population did that. How much would it hurt the U.S.? A lot. We do the same things everybody else does. We spend money. We make money. We go to school. You take that valuable asset away from here, it's going to hurt. So what he, what he said, in my mind, it makes sense to devalue Africa. To make it seem like it's disease-ridden and there's nothing but wilderness land there. But when you go and look at the pictures of Africa, if you go look up and Google urban Africa, African cities like that, and see these skyscrapers and these gigantic statues, these monuments, and you just see culture, it changes your perspective. Because are there areas of Africa that are fucked up and tribal? Yeah. It's there. It's true. But are there areas of Africa that are developed like a motherfucker? That's also true. It's also very true. But what side do we get shown? We get shown the, Af the fucking... Lions on the, on the savannah. We get shown the bush people starving for feeding the children. We get shown the bullshit, but we don't, we don't really see the parts of Africa that are popular. And I think that's what Akon was alluded to. There's scholars, there's doctors. Everything we have over here, they have over there. But what they do is they devalue it to make you not want to go back over there. And if, you, if I'm lying, I'm flying. If you let me know, you can let me know when the last time you seen Africa in a positive light. I'll be gladly, I will gladly await that email or text. So, yeah, no plan this ride at gmail.com or that uh, my Twitter, no play 247 on Twitter. No plan this ride, Facebook. Wherever you can look this up, no plan this ride. 
If you can show me where the U.S. has once put Africa in a positive light, I'll be very grateful for the information. I ain't gonna give you no goddamn money, but I'd be very grateful for the information. I don't even know when the last, if there ever has been an Olympics held in Africa. I just want to know, was he wrong? Because I don't think so. And it's something I thought about, like, man, I can go back to Africa. Fuck this shit. Get a degree, I can haul ass and go back there. Why stay? If people don't, if I feel like people don't want me here. For me, that's not the case. I don't feel like people don't want me here. It may sound like an excuse, but I, I feel welcome where I'm at. Welcome or ignored, which to me don't bother me because I ignore people anyway. I like California. But is it something I thought about? Yeah, something I considered, 100%. 100% considered it. I just have to know more about it. But it's always in the back of my brain like, man, I just should do some research, find out what's going on in Africa. Because I've traveled a lot of the world. I've seen the South Pacific. I've seen some of Europe. And um, the perception we have of places isn't always the same. I've said it before. I've seen a, a neighborhood in Turkey, in Kusadasi, Turkey, they look like a neighborhood in Southern California. Apartments, stores, shit like that, residential, look the same to me. But it's all about what you are willing to take in as information and what you're willing to seek out. So it's just something I'm thinking, I've thought about, I've been thinking about, and his uh, the video clip made a whole lot of sense to me. So I just figured I would share that with y'all. And I will put it on the um, No Playing This Ride Facebook page. So other people can see it. Just because to me it made a lot of sense what he said. Hopefully I don't drive off my my few white fans, but I gotta I gotta do it for the culture. I gotta put it up there, man. And something else I want to talk about um, regarding sports is uh, a particular individual and about how we as people in general, but this is more towards black people about how we tear down our celebrities and people that could do things that we never could. From what I know, especially looking back at athletes back in the 60s, 70s, even 80s, 90s, with, um, with Michael Jordan and all those guys, and early 2000s even, before the internet got, I want to say, before the internet was so open, everybody was so wide open, celebrities, especially athletes, were looked at on this, this super high level, like, oh, they're untouchable, treated with respect, they're treated like... I don't want to say like they were better than us, but they were treated with a certain respect. And now, you make a mistake, you fumble a, you fumble a football, you get a pass picked off, you miss a shot, you miss a dunk, you strike out, you're getting ridiculed left and right. The memes are coming out of everywhere by people who could never in a million years do what you could do. And it seems crazy to me, like even when I ridiculously took part in it, like, as, as, a, as a jackass, looking back, I feel stupid. Now, I've made comparisons between basketball players and shit like that, and I'll never take that back because that's how I feel. I recognize that they are great doing something I could never do, but when you line them up with somebody else, it just don't, it don't fit. But to, to do it just to be a dick kind of pisses me off, and I'm sensitive about it, about the person I'm going to talk about because this is one of my favorite players, he played for my favorite team, the Chicago Bulls. I'm talking about Derrick Rose. Now, the situation with Derrick Rose is that um, came out of Chicago out of bad circumstances. Went to Simeon, wore 25, Benji's number. If you've ever seen the uh, ESPN 30 for 30 about Benji, 
If you haven't seen it, you should go check it out. If you've seen it, go back and watch it again. But it comes out of Chicago. He goes on to Memphis. It's the star at Memphis, and they end up getting to the championship game where they lose the championship game. After that, he ends up leaving, leaving and going pro. So he's drafted with the number one pick overall by who? Hometown Chicago Bulls. He then goes on to be Rookie of the Year, and he's been an All-Star three times. He was also the youngest MVP in NBA history at 22 years old. But then Derrick Rose gets hurt. And he's out for a while. And he comes back and he gets hurt again. And people, and then out of nowhere, not out of nowhere, people start making all these memes and this and the third. Derrick Rose is trash. This and the third, he can't play. He's always hurt. And to be fair, he's had some issues. But this is a guy who was once like the talk of the league. He was the best player in the league in, 2000, in 2011. He was the MVP. The only thing that stopped him from going to the NBA Finals was that superstar Miami Heat team with Chris Bosh, D. Wade, and LeBron James. It took LeBron and guarding him to slow down the Chicago Bulls. And that's how good a team that was, and that's how good of a player he was. At the time when Jimmy Butler was still developing his offensive game, D. Rose was that guy. And then he got hurt, and he made his comeback, and he had an issue in New York after they blew up the whole Chicago Bulls team to bring in a bunch of who knows what. And just to see the, the the memes and everything that came out about him, it pissed me off for a long, long time. And I was always arguing with people like, hey, man, when he was in New York, he was averaging double figures. He should have been the guy they kept in Cleveland. Like, I wasn't even worried about Isaiah Thomas. I mean, they got Isaiah Thomas in the trade. But if it's me on that team, I'm starting Derrick Rose because he's a point guard. That's going to share the ball. Now, I know he got hurt during that season. I accept that. But he's a point guard who would pass the ball. You wouldn't have to worry about him trying to take over a game and ruin the flow that LeBron James needed in order to stay in Cleveland. I just don't ever think they got the right point guard. And D. Rose is somebody that LeBron James would have fed the ball to. He would have wanted him to take more opportunities to score. They just never really got to develop the chemistry because of the issues with the team. I personally just feel like D. Rose would have worked out better. Now he's in Minnesota, and we'll see what happens with him and that he's back with Coach Tibbs. We'll see how it works because that's where his uh, career flourished before. But it, it just I just had to get off my chest because it makes me mad when people talk about him like uh, reckless, like he hasn't done anything, like he was like a bust or something. He had some injuries. He's on his way back. Get a man some time. And just to give you guys some stats real quick, I'm going to give you three career averages for Derrick Rose. This is career, all-encompassing. So he had averaged 3.6 rebounds a game as a guard. That's pretty fucking good. 5.7 assists as a, as a point guard. Really good. I want to say above average. And 18.9 points per game. And that's for a guy who's missed seasons. So we got to – I want to push an initiative to put – value black on our black athletes and celebrities instead of tearing them down like we have been. Like, I'm not innocent in this. I've said things and shit just trying to be funny or just trying to piss somebody else off but not realizing I'm contributing to the problem. So I just wanted to give you guys some numbers before you jump out on a limb and say Derrick Rose is trash. And the same thing goes for music. Like, I don't feel like we value Wale enough. I talked about him last episode and how he was smartly dropping his projects in doses. And I'm thinking maybe... That's the best thing for him to do because one thing you're going to get with Wale is you're going to get a lot of value. You can get a 99-cent a song from Wale 
and then 99 cents a tone from let's say what's the rapper NBA Young Boy, Little Perp or what's it Young Smoke Perp or um, what's his name Little Pump or somebody like that. You can get a song a dollar a piece for each one of them, right? For Wale, you get a song for a dollar, and say for um, not Lil Xan, fucking Lil Pump, right? Who's who's apparently really popular. You can get both the songs for 99 cents. But the value you're going to get out of Wale's song is 10 times higher than the value you're going to get out of that song when you look at the lyrical content. When you look at just the bars, the amount of effort and work that this man puts into his music is crazy. When you compare it to somebody like um, Lil Pump, who make, who's making music, who's doing this thing, getting money. I'm not hating on the kid. I'm just saying if you look at the content and uh, the amount of lyrics you get, versus a Wale, it's not going to add up. And instead of having the big three with, you know, Kendrick, Cole, and Drake, I really think that Wale is the fourth man that should be in there in that equation. He was at some point, but then he kind of started to fall off. I don't know what that was. I, I don't know if it was the fans. I don't know if it was his label. But I think it's time that we push him back up there as fans of music and elevate him back to that spot. Because it doesn't make any sense for him to be in that in that weird no-man's land where he should be at the top because of his skill level and the amount of effort he puts in. Hopefully he's on his way back. And he might have some competition because Lupe Fiasco just put out a fucking incredible album. Now, I know everybody is not able to just jump into Lupe Fiasco like that. So this last album he put out, I want to say last week, is I would say this is not a beginner hip-hop album. You need your hip-hop PhD to be able to appreciate this body of work. Yes and no. Yes to understand why certain things were done and to understand what it was he did. No, because the music's good. And even if you don't catch all the lyrics, you can still dig some of the melodies and the way the, stru the songs are structured. So the album is called Dragus Wave. And the album has been decoded, a uh, concept album of if the people on the, if the slaves on the, on the slave ships coming across during the transatlantic trans slave trade, if they, whether they jumped off or thrown overboard, if they formed a civilization under the sea and then patrolled the seas, sinking other slave ships that came across the ocean to participate in slave trade. So that's the concept of the album, along with some other songs that were made. Um, I, I don't want to call them what-if songs. I'll say concept songs that were created with the names of people, of kids, of children who were killed, had they not been killed and been allowed to live out to their full potential, if that makes sense. So just somebody passed away, but had they not been murdered, if their murder had been avoided, what they could have gone on to become. And that's something my father told me when I was young. There was a kid in Jacksonville, Florida. A little boy got killed. And my father was so pissed off. about. He was so mad. He's like, what he said was, they don't know who that boy was going to be. He could have been the guy to find a cure for AIDS. And they killed this man in the street. Killed a little boy. They had no idea what his potential was. And now he's gone. So that's what this Lupe Fiasco album, what a couple of these songs is actually doing. But it's a really good album, man. I will give you a few songs that I like on the album. Once again, it's called Drogas Wave. And um, 
My favorite songs on the album are Manila, Wave Files, Down featuring, featuring Nicky Jean, Cripple, and King Nas. So it's really deep and creative. It's hella creative, and it's a really smooth album. You should be able to listen to it all the way through. There was a couple of things on there I didn't, I wasn't really into. It's like the rapping in Patois and rapping in Spanish. I don't want to hear that from Lupe. I think it's like it's a skill check. Hey, I can do this. Let me show you guys I can do this. Bam, I'm going to rap in Spanish. I'm a rapping patois. I respect the skill check. I'm just give me that on the freestyle. I don't necessarily want to hear it on the album, but I think it was fit into the album in a way that I don't yet understand. I'll say that. And and I'll leave it there. But it's a really good album. You should check it out. I also did listen to Lil Wayne and um Kevin Gates albums. I'll talk to you guys about that next time around. But yeah, there's a lot of good music coming out towards the end of the year. And it's making that um, album of the year category a little uh, a little thick. I don't know if everybody was uh, talking about that shit um, earlier. It's going to hold up. There's still uh, KD. There's uh, KOD by um, J. Cole. Redemption by J-Rock. Victory Lap. Nipsey, Nipsey Hustle. Um, the Book of Ryan by Royce the Five Nine. Somebody else who just came out who I'm forgetting. Mac Miller album was pretty good. Travis Scott's um, album Astroworld's pretty good. There's going to be a lot of conversation when we get to talking about album of the year towards the end of the year. Well, hip-hop is not everybody else. Anyway, enough of that, man. Florida State won their game. They barely won, but they won. It's a good sign. We're now 3-2, and two, and I'm 4-0 and oh this weekend for football. So Florida State won, USC won, the Jags won, and my Bears, unfortunately for my wife, beat my wife's team, the Buccaneers. I mean, my Bears. My Bears beat the Bucks, which... You know, I had to get out the house real quick. Can't even celebrate. It was a good win for us, bad loss for them, but they'll bounce back, hopefully with Jameis in the starting lineup next week because that's my guy. Now, to end on an angry note, students of Escondido High School, go get my motherfucking belt. Recently at Escondido High School in the lovely San Diego County in southern, sunny Southern California, these assholes... These little assholes decided to get together and take their senior pictures or whatever. Now, as usual, you take a picture, then they say, okay, now take a goofy picture. That's what happened. The thing about it is, is that they had letters on their shirts. So when they reorganized, they used the letters on their shirt to spell out the word nigger when they took the picture. And I'm... It's just like, it goes to show you, man, how punk-ass kids can can feel safe. And I don't know what's going on up there at Escondido. I don't fucking go up there. And now I don't really plan on going up there if that's the move. But, like, I just hope the wrong person saw that. I hope the wrong person saw that and they saw the kid's face, the kid's face. And I hope they pay for that shit. Because that's just a blatant fuck you to black people and anybody who spends time with black people and fucks with us. So I hope somebody your age catches you or hope that throughout the years somebody sees you and remember you was in that picture hope they knock your ass out that's just how I feel about, right now about shit like that I hope they air your ass out on site and uh we have a part two to go get my belt Percy the punk ass possum go get my motherfucking belt now I know nobody who hears this is gonna know who Percy the possum is Percy the possum came from my homegirl Felicia so she's on Facebook, and she she does like, a, I'll say she does commentary. She does videos or 
to do long posts about politics and all that shit. She's a smart girl, very outspoken, right? But what she does, she kind of chronicle things she does around the house. This particular situation, she went up and was looking in the roof because she heard something scratching around. Turns out it's a big-ass possum in there. So then she was like, hey, let's name the possum something. And I started calling him Percy. So I found it kind of trolling her own post. Like, I'm team Percy and all that shit, Percy forever and all that. You know, just because I'm a good friend, I'm a good guy, a good person that wants to troll a person by having this hideous rodent living inside their household. In any event, it's time for Percy to go, man. Percy, you've terrorized my homie for long enough. Either you go get your ass out or go get my motherfucking belt. But it's time for you to go. So, Percy, leave my homegirl and her family alone and get the fuck out of their house. Now, I'm shutting it down and I'm ending this with a question that was asked to me. I had a board recently and one of the questions they asked me was, it better to be right or better to do the right thing? So you think about that and make your, back, your next day your best day and always mess this up. But be better tomorrow than you were today. Work on being a good person. Hit me up, no plan this ride at gmail.com. No play 247 on Twitter, capital N, lowercase o, capital P, L A Y. No play this ride on YouTube, on Facebook as well. Hit me up, man. Let me know what y'all got going on. I would love to hear from you, man. And if you like my shit, share my shit so these numbers can, can improve. And I sounded like Mike Tyson right there. So I'm going to go out on a good note and say, May the Force be with you. You guys have a good Sunday afternoon. Peace.